Welcome back, comrades, to Utopian Cartography, for another expedition into the unknown regions of the future to discover hope, real hope, beyond the illusions handed down to us by previous generations, that greed is good and war is inevitable, because there will just never be enough to go around. As George Carlin said, it's all bullshit, folks. It's bad for you. I'm your host, Neon Felicity. I'm here to tell you that we can have a positive future. Our guest on today's voyage is Darren Leon, visionary producer of the Imagine Music and Arts Festival and the Imagine Convergence, as well as the production manager of The Compass, which hosts the philosophy content at Lightning in a Bottle. We met last year at LIB, where we worked on building all the spaces where the epic knowledge would be dropped on thousands of open-minded festival goers during the event. We camped next to each other during the build and strikes. So we got to have lots of deep conversations about the state of the world and the urgent need for a collective expansion of awareness about the death and destruction wrought by the old paradigm, clinging for its dear life in the face of a new transcendent epoch of conscious community building in the rubble. I love this perspective on this whole movement. From the warehouses of the 90s underground rave scene bubbling up and blossoming into a whole new world that rejects the default state of isolation in consumer society for a more holistic vision of togetherness and tribal cohesion. In the conversation you're about to hear, we discuss the evolution of the rave phenomenon towards a gentler, more elegant exhibition of psychedelic creativity in collaboration with intellectual artists of all different mediums with profound insights about the human experience that can raise people's quality of life by showing how things could be radically different than society dictates. We talk about the nature of transformation of these gatherings, what is being transformed, and how it got into this deformed, distorted paradigm in the first place through religious and commercial conditioning, and parallels to instances of metamorphoses in the natural world, and how adaptation to changing circumstances is the very essence of evolution itself. We explore the reasons why these events are transformational, what elements of the experience are combining to catalyze the deep shift in consciousness that occurs with such regularity at these neo-shamanic tribal gatherings, in contrast to the illusory state of isolation cultivated and perpetuated by the legacy social institutions we have inherited from the 20th century. Darren and I explore the phenomenology of collective effervescence and how something magical happens when we create a particular vibe within a collective atmosphere that is inherently spiritual and thereby truly transformational for people because it taps into ancient ancestral memory of a time where we danced to a drumbeat around a fire for hundreds of thousands of years before civilization even emerged. We talk about the privileges of being alive right now in the 21st century in the age of self-discovery and the internet and easy transportation to almost anywhere we want to go and how people are exploring different ways of existing as a human being, and learning about what would truly make them feel fulfilled in this life. Finally, we discuss the potentials and limitations of the politicization of festivals, and how instigating deep personal transformation in individuals creates ripple effects that can cumulatively shift the entire zeitgeist in a more regenerative direction. The primary project we must be engaged in is helping people to unlearn all the toxic thought and behavior patterns that were installed into our brains by manipulative and malicious institutions in relatively recent past paradigms. Utopia is a place where people are healthy and secure, because with those baselines covered, kindness, art, and music emerge spontaneously. Humans naturally create beauty given the right circumstances, so look forward to more and more of that in the years to come. So thanks for joining us in this map-making endeavor to envision the path towards a world worth living in. Welcome everybody to Utopian Cartography. I'm here with Darren Leong, uh, epic event producer and uh, someone who's really inspired me in terms of, you know, bringing the intellectual activism to the music festival space. Um, so welcome, Darren. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me today. So uh, we'll jump into the philosophy of it all in a moment, but um, 
can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into this magical world? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Well, I've been producing shows for, I guess, 26 years now, so a long time. And it's seen a whole bunch of different renditions of, of this type of show, which is, you know, kind of like this West Coast festival scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started when I was 17 and I was going to raves and I decided to throw some raves. And you can imagine what that was like as a 18, 19, 20 year old. Started throwing raves when you were that, a teenager? My first rave was 17. Right. Yeah, even before I could sign a legal, legal contract. Right. Um, and by the time I was 18 and 19, we had actually built quite a following, you know. And, you know, on a regular basis, throwing 800, 900 person shows. And by the time I was 19, 20, it started to be like 1,000, 2,000 person, you know, warehouse shows in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, this was, you know, like the late 90s and kind of like the heyday of like the West Coast rave scene. You know, I mean, it's still going on, but. You should have seen it back then. Because, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know, it was like it was good warehouse parties, you know, good techno. And I've yeah, epic things about this, not about the 90s scene. Quite a scene. Yeah. So I did that for a long time. But, you know, as you know, raves are wild. They're crazy. And, um, you know, we had someone die in one of our shows. And that changed a whole lot of things, right. you know. And it's been an evolution of like basically this big rave party scene and then it through a series of events forcing me to change and become you know more gentle more elegant and um after that i uh you know locked myself into a cabin in the woods for two years and got my head straight and then i joined another group called the oracle gatherings which is um founded by isis isis indria right and she have and i have known each other for a long time and when I first came to see that, they had they had mixed a whole bunch of like cultural, spiritual, like different types of like she, she brought in a lot of ritual into these events and a lot more intention. So it wasn't just a just a raging party, you know. And it was like bringing people together and kind of like creating a common vision and then doing a big ritual um, ritual performance. And that was another shift, you know. So it, it shifted from there, and then I started producing events on Orcas Island, where I currently live. And uh, once again, we had to shift because we're on an island now, and we can't just do big, loud sound systems and stuff like that. And so the island itself kind of forced us to become even more gentle. Right. You know, so it came from a really hard banging, you know, party scene, and every shift it made became more. I guess more grown up, more more gentle. And then after a number of years doing that, we decided to produce the Imagine Festival, which is now in its fifth year on Orcas Island. And it is a version of the West Coast Transformational Festival thing that is basically the opposite of what a lot of these big festivals are. You know, our main stage closes uh, <clears throat> because of the sound ordinance, but also, you know, because that's kind of what we want to do is after we rage it up to a certain point, the loud stage shuts down and then it opens up into a whole bunch of like smaller, gentle, acoustic, down tempo. So, you know, you imagine hanging out in a, in a beautiful T zone, watching some like epic, you know, live music performance. 
um, it's just a different different take on on all of it. And I found that it's been good. Our community has been building around it, and because it's not a raging party, people can bring their kids. Older people can be involved, you know. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, when people are going to these things, they're looking for like like a tribal experience, you know, d- dancing together and collective and stuff like that. And philosophically, what's evolved is that like, how can you actually have a tribal gathering without the tribe? You know, it can't just be the young people. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have the older people and you got to have the kids and and, uh, and everybody in between. And yeah, so it's evolved into a community. So that's kind of where we're at now. And then beyond that, you know, we also produce the uh, compass at Lightning in a Bottle, which essentially is bringing the spirit of activism and social change to like a large West Coast festival. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you've been there with us. I, I think it's had a pretty profound influence on a lot of these young people, you know, and we bring in really, you know, phenomenal speakers. This year we have Adana Shiva, who, you know, is leading the charge in India to fight companies like Monsanto and other multinational uh, corporations. We've got Paul Stamets, who, you know, has developed a way to combat this, the beehive colony collapse syndrome. You know, Ayana Young from, from the wild. We've got planet experts, people talking about endangered species, the environment, stuff like that, and bringing it into like this kind of big party atmosphere. And the kids are totally receptive to it. They're ready to hear this stuff. And so, you know, we did that at Imagine too. And so that's sprung forth the interest in bringing forth ideas uh, about the future, about like what a future paradigm might look like. And we just, you know, launched the Magic Convergence in March, which, you know, so, so stoked you were able to attend, which is a conference. It's a conference about bringing new ideas forth, like what is a new world going to look like, you know, and whether it be science, culture, you know, interpersonal relationships, we're exploring all these ideas on how we can change and adapt to the changes that we're going to be seeing in the world. So yeah, it's been a long journey, right? Totally. but it's been really good. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy to see where we're at now and how things are unfolding. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's part of what I love about these festivals is because they're like, they instigate imagination. And that's why I love that your festival is called Imagine. And I was, I was wondering about your, your process of coming to that that name because I know that the name of things is I place a lot of importance on it because it sets sets an attention for the whole sure. how the whole thing unfolds. The name is actually it's named after John Lennon's song, right. and oh yeah, it's actually you know a personal story of mine that like I was a little kid um, when John Lennon was killed, and I was with my dad. And I'm from Thailand originally, so we were in Thailand. He he grew up over here, so you know John Lennon was a hero of his. And when John Lennon was killed, he got the news over there, and he started crying, and he mm-hmm. picked me up. And I was like, I think I was probably like three or four years old or something like that. And, and this is the story that he tells me. And he said that I, you know, looked at him. And I said, I said, Daddy, why why are you crying? And his response to me was like, you know, a really good man was killed today, and you know. That story always kind of stuck with me. And as I learned more about John Lennon, I knew, learned more about that song. Oh, and that after he, after he said that the song came on, like, you know, on the radio. And so that story had always stuck in, in my childhood as, as, you know, an important memory. And uh, when we were trying to think of a name for this event, you know, it was like, what is it? Like, what is it we're trying to do here? And it's about imagining a new future. 
you know so the the, the kind of the, the slogan of the imagine festival is dreamers of the future and it's it's really about like what can we dream up because it's all a dream anyways you know all of the earth came out of the someone's imagination right so what is it that we wanted to see so what we wanted to see was we wanted to see a world that was filled with art and music you know mm-hmm. because art really just like it heals you know and then it also reinforces values from what i've seen in my experience in life it's just like a community that has art is a healthy community you know has art has family has community and all that so that's what we were shooting for we we're shooting for the ideals that were you know i think john lennon was singing about in that song Totally. and at the end of imagine every year we sing imagine okay. the whole the whole place like, right you know 1200 people <laughs> that's so awesome. it's really fun <laughs> yeah definitely yeah that, that song is really epic because it, it gets at that it doesn't have to be like this you know like the world doesn't have to be the way that it is or the way that they they say it is you know like we right. can we can imagine it's it. just their version of it. right exactly <laughs> yeah. and the extent to which it's been proliferated this long is the extent to which they've been able to suppress our imaginations about what else would be possible and so i love that that concept and yeah i actually i i didn't know about until i was rereading the the pamphlet from uh, the, the program from imagine uh, convergence and the part about imaginal cells mm-hmm. i i was like what is that and i once i looked it up I, it was almost like too good to be true that there's this, it just seems like one of the most beautiful metaphors of all time that there's these cells within the caterpillar that, that aren't liquefied while the rest of the caterpillar is liquefied and, th- and then they can, you know, re, you know, use the pieces to, you know, rebuild a new whole new organism. Transform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, we use, we use that analogy because like we can change to be anything. Right. you know mm-hmm. like and and you know you've probably heard this before that like the ones that have thrived the ones that have have survived are the ones that have been able to adapt and change totally. right not the ones who are rigid right you know the ones that we cannot change <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and so that's that's the thing we can we can all see that we're in a time where everything's changing you know our right. social norms are changing or spiritual beliefs are changing the economy is changing everything's changing you know and uh mm-hmm. you better be able to just see what's going on and, and kind of change with it right because it's going to change regardless <laughs> right exactly that darwin actually said later in life that when he had said survival of the fittest he wished that he had said the survival of the most adaptable mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that, that 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 was the actual real key to survival and evolution is, mm-hmm. is adaptation adaptation yeah and so i guess that leads into kind of what uh, the next question which is you know we call these these gatherings transformational festivals mm-hmm. and i would love to get your thoughts on like, what is it in our consciousness that we're trying to transform with these you know intentional gatherings where we're you know focusing on art and the future and community and each other like because i think that that's i I try to explain that to people who haven't been to a festival and they're like what do you mean transformational like it's it's hard to explain it's hard to explain i don't know if you have any sure i do (laughs) well this is an interesting topic because there's a lot of layers to these gatherings about what exactly we're doing there right and uh we lay the groundwork with one of the things okay (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna be totally just like upfront about this because this is you know one of the things i think gets missed 
when people talk about transformation gatherings and i and i know this may be a little a tricky conversation to have <laughs> right but the truth of the matter is these these events are psychedelic events right you know mm -hmm. and you know they're the art and the music and the culture are really important but the, the truth of the matter is that these these events are shamanic events you know and it's of course different than what you might think of in in the past of, of what like a shamanic experience is like but you know we're about to be 2020 you know and the truth is that people do psychedelics at, at, at our events and um what happens is if you know if you're familiar with psychedelics is that it can induce a profound personal transformation and it's got it to be really important to be said that like and this is this is actually one of the one of the evolutions that we've had to go through as well is that like when when in, after after enough times of doing it i was noticing that like the transformational part wasn't happening as much when you're just throwing a party right you know when people are coming and just dancing and you know getting high and whatever people do have transformational experiences for sure but i what i found was that it happened a lot less than when it was just like real medicine you know and so one of the evolutions that um that has happened at least in, in our circles is that it's less of a raging party and more of a holistic experience of music sound experience information you know connection and you know i really feel like this is old stuff that we're working with here you know like tribal gatherings have been happening since the beginning of time you know and people have been eating mushrooms at tribal gatherings dancing around parties since the beginning of time right and so like when you come to one of these events and like man you just get like shaken out of your daily norm you know that's the first part of it and then the experience that you have you know and if you're in a, in a space that's like very caring and open and creative these are not a lot of experiences that people get on a daily basis right. totally. daily life is hard right you know mm -hmm. and don't even smile at you on the street totally totally <laughs> and to be able to just like really sit with somebody and authentically really connect with them you know is transformational in itself mm -hmm. and if you stack all these experiences with um you know like you're sitting with the most incredible artist now that you've ever seen in your life you know you're like this band is blowing my mind right now you know and then like i just met somebody that i've obviously meant to meet my entire life today you know and my life may just be going on a different direction after this you know plus you know you throw in some psychedelic mushrooms on top of that and you may have a transformational experience <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and be transformed into something that you want to create that in the broader world i feel like because that's part of the thing is like going back and forth between the festival world and regular default world it's like this illustration by contrast it like helps you see like what's wrong with the world because you can see what's right with mm -hmm. the world at festivals sure. and you can be yeah. like oh whoa this is what society's fucking up yeah right kindness <laughs> kindness is great right. you know <laughs> and for the most part when you go to these festivals people are very open and here's the other thing that i think is transformational for people is that like i was mentioning the human experience for the entirety of all of the human experience up until like 100 years ago was tribal right. like we were with our families we were with our friends we did everything together right. we went and looked for food together and in our 
modern life we're alone right you know we might have our partner or whoever mm -hmm. we're with and our group of friends or whatever and but i think that a lot of the ills that are that our society is seeing right now like of the depression and loneliness and anxiety this is my opinion on it but it essentially comes from not having like that human connection and support structure around you. yeah you're gonna be anxious if you don't have anybody to look got your back right. you know you got your <laughs> totally. entire family you know like make sure that you're gonna be fed and right. whatever you're gonna feel a whole lot better right. totally. and um so you know when people come to these festivals it's you know it's a modern neo-tribal sort of uh experience where they come and they cook together and create projects together like when you come and work with us you know like yeah. you know we like doing things together right right you know and we feel good to do things totally. together so you know yeah and, and that in itself you know for people to be able to experience that the camaraderie and just like creating big projects together not just for money right. because this is what we're inspired to do right you know it opens things for people and makes them excited and i always come out of it feeling great you know mm -hmm. and um super thankful of the people that i get to meet and spend time with mm -hmm. totally so uh oh yeah and my the other part of that is that like what do you think separated us i guess from that tribal existence you know in the past hundred years that my interpretation is that it was so that they could sell us everything and you know if each person is separate then each person needs their own wrench and barbecue sure. and, you know every last little thing Absolutely. every person yeah. gets to buy their own of it yeah rather than just having well, one of the communities sharing. i mean they've been doing this a long time man like the Catholic Church has been breaking up tribes for a long right. time across the world. <laughs> totally. You know, across Europe, across Asia, right. across America. Mm -hmm. That's their model. Right. And they get, to, they get to town and who's the shaman? Let me get that right. guy first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just break up the family structure and right. break up the tribal structures. All the, all the old beliefs are deemed evil. Right. Totally. And, you know, we've had thousands of years of that now. Right. You know, and so, I mean, it's created the world we have, it's created the civilization we have, so it is, it is what it is, you know, right. um, but it is also a model that has been used to, to break up cultures. And then beyond that, right. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a movie, uh, it's actually three movies called uh, Century of the Self. Oh, yeah, 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 come, yeah. yeah. it's uh, about this guy, Edward Bernays. Right. And Bernays was Freud's nephew. Freud's nephew. Right and he created public relations right right the idea of public relations he ended up getting hired his first big gig was being hired by marlboro right <laughs> to see if how he could market cigarettes to women and he's the one who came up with that whole ad campaign like in, you know the black and white uh commercials of women smoking cigarettes right. you know like making this like a classy beautiful thing for these women to smoke cigarettes you know right well he that was a hit and so he kept going with that and basically they came up with this idea and it actually became a branch of the government that they would create this consumer society and they would do this by manipulating culture mm -hmm. you know yeah. and their whole thing was century of the self right was the idea mm -hmm. was that like to make everybody more self-centered totally. so just think about me 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 what do i have what is you know what how can i win how can i achieve and then essentially broke up the Western family model, right. you know, so now that we don't, we don't even have our tribes, they just like broke up the whole family, right. you know, to, and created this entire culture of like self-centered materialistic people in order to create consumers for these corporations. Right.
So the whole thing was done intentionally. Right. For a long time. Right. Exactly. You know, and like a lot of people try to say that's human nature. Like that's a big argument for, you know, against a lot of good ideas about, you know, how we should function as a collective and, you know, care about each other and you know, work together. People are like, oh no, it's just our nature to, you know, be separate and like only out for ourselves and like to push everybody else down to get right. ourselves up. Like they say that that's our nature. And I'm just like, but for millions of years like we stood up four million years ago and like we couldn't survive on it as our rugged individuals in the ice age and whatever <laughs> like, well humans have done a good amount of subjugating each other too though. <laughs> right. so you know right yeah that's true yeah we work together just to, to subjugate some other people right <laughs> totally <laughs> i guess that's what corporations are right 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 it's exactly <laughs> what corporations are totally <laughs> yeah they just like they're just sneaky or whatever. Just seem like hey, so they're just like yeah, this is normal. <laughs> One of the things the convergence is trying to do with all the ideas is that like, just to put the concept out there that this isn't reality, this is just a version of reality. Right. Totally. And you can do anything. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's a, that's one of my favorite things about festivals. It's just like this epic display of all the different ways to be human. The other, you know other than this one, you know, prescripted mm -hmm. way that they tell you, you know, if they bang into your head for 10, 20 years right. in school. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not doing, living life like this, yeah. then you're a failure. Yeah, wear this collared shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wear a necktie, you know. But it, man, you, wear a noose around your neck. I got, I got my degree in anthropology, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to be able to, like, travel around the world and see these different cultures, and I swear to God, man, it's everything under the sun out there, you know, right. like if you go to any of these tribal cultures, they're doing some freaky stuff, right. you know, crazy tattoos, you know, big, you know, piercings and, right. and all that stuff. That's how humans have been. Right. You know? Totally. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And I, uh, the things that the church has done over the past thousands of years, to just like crush all the, you know, cultural diversity in the world. Like it's well, yeah. boggles my mind. Yeah, so I like your point though about the like, it allows for people to come and do their diverse thing, right, right? You know, and even even the headdress thing, you know, where people have a problem with the headdress thing, right? I look at that, you know, all these kids wearing the headdresses at the at the festivals, but yeah. I also see these kids. It's like they're looking for this old tribal right, something, exactly. You know, and this is what they've got, right? <laughs> or at least they know, you know, and totally, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I. I guess I'm hesitating about whether to. I have a feel about that. I, I, cause I'm, I'm, I, I don't think culture can be pro. It shouldn't. I don't think it should be property or owned by anybody. I don't think there should be boundaries on anything. So, but that's a, I guess, conversation that, that we don't need to, don't need to get, don't, don't need to get into. I suppose. So I've, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I'm just like, we can get the, into it. Yeah. There's <laughs> like, because I, because the culture is just a, a series of memes, like just ideas that somebody had at some point to do something creative that was beautiful and interesting, and even if certain memes have association with certain, you know, and I, and I know the argument is that you know, the white man came here and took everything else, so this just feels like another last thing that they're taking this some last thing. So I'm that's why I, that's why I hesitated so much to whether to say it, it because, I, you know, I try to. I, ch I try to check my privilege as much as possible, and I know that's a privileged co concept. I guess that's what, at least that's what I've been told. But I just, I fundamentally think that everything should be open to everyone. So 
when I see, you know, the young kids at festivals with headdresses and sometimes I see people getting chewed out for it and, and I feel for them because I'm just, they don't, most of them don't know. They don't know. Like that's just, yeah. Feathers, it's just a fancy, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's funny because like some cultures don't really care if you're purple. Right. You know, like the Buddhists don't care if you want to hang a tapestry of the Buddha on your wall. Or, right. I mean, they'll care if you, you know, use them as a doorstop. Right, right. But, uh. It's the fact that the, the native people here have gone through the genocide. Exactly. You know, and uh, they get offended by it. Right. So if they're offended by it, then probably shouldn't do it. Right, exactly. You know, but then again, the kids don't really know. Right. So it's a complex thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and then at the other end of the spectrum, there's Islam, where that's even a principle that they're not, no one's allowed to depict the, the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. Organized religion, man. Right. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, so I guess speaking of which, uh, being raised Catholic, I never really understood the, the rituals and stuff in, in liturgy. Um, and then I studied theology in high school at, at a Catholic high school. And then, and then I, you know, became an atheist after studying theology a bunch. And, <laughs> And and, uh, and so then I was like, okay, all these rituals that I've been like wondering what they mean my whole life, maybe I guess they're meaningless. And then I went to a rave and I was like, oh, so I, I felt the connection with everyone so intuitively at my first rave. And I remember immediately feeling like, oh, this is what all the, the all those rituals were to be the opposite of this. Like, and so I, I guess it depends on your mind state and what pharmacological enhancements that it's gotten as to whether or not that people perceive that to be a spiritual experience yeah but i totally perceive it to be a spiritual experience sure. like well i mean you can reach your spiritual experience just dancing right right you know totally and then you throw on top of that some really powerful psychedelics and it becomes a really powerful spiritual experience to be dancing in a crowd of right. you know a thousand people the whole place is you know right. moving and that was one of the things that really moved me. I remember in my early on when I went, I'd gone to a rave and you could feel it. It's so thick. You right. know, it's this, it's, it's this, this atmosphere of like this collective energy, collective consciousness. And right. they're all, you know, entrained to the rhythm of the, the, the music and, you know, you can feel it moving with the music. But, you know, later on, I actually, I was at a Christmas mass at St. Mark's Cathedral in Seattle one time. Mm -hmm. And there was just one point where everybody in the place had their eyes closed and they were in prayer. Right. And man, I'll tell you, it was thick in there too, right. you know? Totally. So it's like, there is a phenomenon that happens with, you know, gathering humans together right. and having them have a common focus, you know, right. there is like a collective energy that, that's formed. Right. And, you know, if we really want to get into it, like, you know, at our events, once we have been able to cultivate that collective energy right. and you're in that field, then some interesting stuff happens. Right. Synchronicities start to happen, right. you know, and like connections start to happen and things start getting a little magical, right. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's still to this day, a phenomenon that I'm still exploring and thinking about and, right. and witnessing. And it's, it's almost uh, beyond description. Right. No, but there are times, whether it's on the dance floor or some other rituals or gatherings, you know, where the, the energy is so thick that you can just 
almost reach out and feel it. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So I like to say when it's a good party, I'm like, damn, it's thick up in here. <laughs> right. <You> feel it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's extra dope when there's fog and lasers. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I guess we kind of covered about, like, what is it about these, like, neo-pagan, like, highly technological gatherings that feel so ancient? Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a gathering that happens out in Tenasket, Washington. Which is called Barter Fair. Uh -huh. Barter Fair is a trip. Right. Tenasket, Washington, is way out there. It's over right. by Idaho, you know. So it's like right. it's li it's on a native reservation. Right. So there's literally cowboys and Indians out there. Right. You know, you know, people are walking around horses, and, and it's the whole region there in eastern Washington, which is really remote. And everyone comes to barter stuff, right. you know, and trade, just like I'm sure people have done for thousands and thousands right. of years. You know, totally. It's like they gathered, everyone brings their wares, everything, they bring the stuff they've been harvesting and cultivating, like, you get all these really nice, like, honey wines, and whatever, right. you know, yeah. and at night, it's like, raging drum circle around this big fire, you know, a super, like, this scene could have happened a thousand years ago, right. you know, there's, you know, there's guys in deer skin, like, pelts, and, you know, dancing around this fire, it, it's not that fun for me, you know, but I was looking at it, and I was like, dang, man, this is exactly the same thing, you know, that, that folks are doing in the city. Right. It's, totally. it's just like this collective dance. And the truth of the matter is they were on mushrooms at the at Barter Bear, too. Right. You know? Totally. And so, like, yeah, there's something innate in the human, human psyche that longs for right. collective drumming, collective dancing. Totally. I think it may be because the drum was probably one of the few instruments right. we had for a long time. Totally. That's a great point. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about that. At night, what are you going to do? Right. Drum around fire. Yep, totally. That we harnessed fire 600,000 years ago, they say. Um, so, when, I, yeah, I wonder when the drum was invented. But it's so probably just a log somebody was beating. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. So, you know, and this is actually, I'm really glad that you actually are asking these questions because it's well um but really if we want to talk about what we're trying to do you know with the imagine festival and imagine convergence it's you know we're moving forward into the future right. but ultimately what we're trying to do is to reconnect with some of these ancient things that right. some of us have found are missing in our lives right you know totally. uh, tribalism tribal gatherings drumming dancing um medicine work and and at these gatherings was the exchange of ideas and like all this other stuff and so we're just putting a modern twist right. on a very ancient human thing right you know totally. i totally. mean back in the day people would you know they would have gatherings and that was when you would just get together just to meet someone or to marry right. you know right <laughs> it was totally. crucial to to the right. to the fabric of human society right totally totally and uh, if you look at it modern society now um, the closest thing that we've got in the, the mainstream default society is like a football game. Right. You know, totally. that's totally. about as sacred as we get. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or church. Uh, right. Totally. Yeah. It's funny that we, you know, just by bringing back these fundamental human things, right. it's having such a profound impact on people. Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I actually had an, I, um, had an epiphany this morning, actually, um, that I was thinking about how, so, I think the last big transition in civilization that we had 
you know, was 500-ish years ago when the, the Renaissance transitioned into the Enlightenment. And so that was people seeing the way that Europe, European civilization had kind of collapsed and they were trying to figure out like, what did we lose that was so great about, you know, the ancient society in ancient Greece and stuff like that. And so they were able to bring in like ideas like the symposium and, you know, democracy and stuff like that back from from Greece, which I, I conceptualize as before the church um, came in and destroyed all that, like before Rome conquered Greece and shut down all that democracy stuff. And so I was thinking how now kind of the, I kind of because I think of this festival thing as a renaissance. I, I, I truly think we're in a, in a rebirth of, of culture of, of what what it is to be human in an ancient way. And so I was thinking about how it's kind of it's like we're reaching back even further you know like you know we're we're seeing like why are we, why do we all why do we all feel so alienated and feel so alone and, and things like you know that the best we can manage in terms of a you know big event is the sporting event where i think football is a perfect example because it's just like the giant guys just like put on helmets and bash into each other <laughs> and everybody like and people like literally get into like fans of one team totally. get into fights totally. with fans of the other team the game. yeah <laughs> it's because i think we just i feel like we've been at war for thousands of years you know like there's been this you know like people never want to go to war but the, you know there's been these forces in society that have been making us fight with each other and i feel like now we're like trying to figure out like i think that's part of the like retribalization is how do, how do we like rediscover a cohesive sort of something that like where we can have community again, like before all this war that's been happening for the past couple few thousand years. Yeah. Well, it's why I live where I live. Right. Yeah. Totally. On Arcus Island. And I live on an island. <laughs> and so, you know, you're on this rock with these people. Right. And you can't just like be anonymous, you know? Right. You can't just like act terribly and then leave. Right. You know, you act terribly, you're going to run into that person again. Right. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. over, over at the grocery store or whatever. And, mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that I've been there for so long, our crew, we've been together for 15 years, right. throwing shows together. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. And so, like, it's rare. I couldn't, I probably wouldn't, you know, you could have your own tribe in the city, but it was, it's been an interesting thing being on an island. Right. Where it's like, if you need something, you ask your friends, you ask your neighbors, and they, you know, we take care of each other. And everybody is super generous there, man, because, like, for one, people are just kind, and they have enough you know they're they're comfortable so they're able to be generous but also because they know that like if you ever need something like if i ever need something i'm probably gonna have to ask someone else for it right so now now it's my turn to hook them up when they're in need right and um yeah so it's it's been an amazing process of like you know because i grew up in seattle and you know in and out of the club scenes and whatever and it's just um man it was so hollow right I knew a thousand people, right? But I was lonely as fuck in that room, right? You know, totally. And you know, it's because I didn't have any real connections. And then when when I was able to be on this island in this community of people, and like you know, I still live there because of that. Yeah, makes sense to me for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I don't even know any of my neighbors. Yeah, right. <laughs> but when you do, like my neighbor, the guy I live with, I've, mm-hmm. we've known him for sixteen, seventeen years now, right? And. I just know if I ever get in any kind of trouble, right. I just have a whole lot of people there who cared. Right. You know, totally. and it makes you feel like it's home. Right. Yeah. That, that's home. Right. You know, where you feel safe and connected to people. 
and right. totally. and that kind of thing. So it's hard to find, man. It's hard to find. And I've been around the world looking at all sorts of different places to live and all that stuff. And, right. Totally. You know, I choose to be on that little island. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So for people talking about how one of the shifts that's happening is that and especially for the younger generation the, the younger generations but people in general are moving towards you know spending their money on experiences rather than things like, i feel like it was more of a 20th century thing where people were just buying things and that was the that was the sign of you know living a good life was just like by having all these True. things and keeping up with the joneses and all yeah. that and it seems like part of that is kind of i mean it's still you know the the, the the default world is still functioning like that on a lot of cases. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it seems like there's this shift to, you know, people wanting to spend their resources more on experiences. That's why they're part of why the festival movement is growing so much and mm -hmm. why there's new, new festivals popping up every year. Because people want to have these, you know, peak experiences. And so I was, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on like why that, that shift would be. Is, is it just that it's evidently more fulfilling um, or do you, or do you get that sense that it is that we, that, that shift is happening? I guess. I think the shift is happening for some people, right? You know, right. just kind of, kind of the same thing. It's like, man, this, this is like, you can't just say one thing is happening right, in, right. in the world. It's just like, it's all unfolding. Right. But I do feel that uh, right now in the first part of this century, it's an incredible time to be alive. Right. Totally. You know, like I've gotten a chance to travel to a lot of different places in the world and see a lot of different things that, you know, in the day, maybe they might have even just heard about in a storybook. Right. You know? Totally. And so like we, we have like, and we're actually one of the first generations. I mean, like my dad had a chance for sure, right. but like, you know, and I'm a little older than you and, um, we were, we're some of the first people who are able to like, I'm going to go get on a plane and fly to Asia. Right. You know, go to South America. Right. Totally. And so people are doing it. <laughs> right. You know. Totally. And there certainly still are a lot of people who are, you know, following <laughs> the corporate materialistic paradigm. But there's also, I think this is the, this is the time of self-discovery. Right. It's totally. like the age of the internet. Right. Where you know that there's all this stuff out there. Right. And the age of cheap gas, where you right. can just go and, right. you know, go to some other place. And so I'm one of those people that has always gone after experiences. Right. And I guess that's part of the whole transformational part of it. It's right. like people who like transformational experiences like right. to go do things with right. travel and do that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, man, as I get older, I'm 41 now. Right. Um, starting to feel like i need to have some more resources and, right. and uh <laughs> totally. possessions and right. property and right. you know that stuff so it's like different phases in life too i'm certainly not definitely not trying to be part of this whole consumerist society right. you know and i'm trying to find a balance where i can you know have my possessions right. and my experiences right. and have the least negative impact right as i can whether it be in the garbage i produce or the pollution we produce and psychic pollution or right you know totally yeah so yeah it's a it's an interesting question it's all happening right my hope is that like things shift in a way that
I'm going to go back to psychedelics here right. real fast. Yeah, that's a good – that is a factor. That's because a factor. one of the things that psychedelics is really good for, for me at least, right. is that it, it's made me kind of really check in with my morality. Right. You know, about the stuff that I'm doing in my life, whether it be the stuff that I'm putting into my body or stuff I'm putting into my psyche. Mm-hmm. And also the things that I do and how they affect the world. And what I found is that like part of that whole um, experience, that that whole transformational experience, is actually just taking a good look at your life right. and like what what is it I'm doing here? Right. Totally. And like how am I affecting other people and how am I affecting the world? Right. And um, it's definitely made me check in and really try to change myself on a conscious way. Right. You try totally. to change. You know, I'm not a perfect person. Right. Do, but it sure as heck makes me try the best I can. Right. You know, exactly. because if I do some shit that's not so cool right. that I'm feeling guilty about, probably the next time I have a psychedelic right. trip, I'm going to have to face it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep. And I, I think that's a big part of what, you know, a lot of religious people ask, like, you know, where do you get your ethics from if you don't believe in this? If you don't get it from the Bible, mm-hmm. you're like, where could you possibly get ethics from? And I, <laughs> a big part of it is from all my psychedelic experiences. Yeah. From confronting the... Mm-hmm consequences of what i have done in my life so it does it definitely does shape what, what you want to sure. do yeah and like you go to these festivals and it's like sometimes you hear some preachy stuff one of the things we try not to do is we don't want to preach anything right because the philosophy behind it is like we innately know right you know totally. uh it's worked right you know totally. i mean you can tell people what your expectations are about how you can we want everyone to act Right. But you're, we're not locking anyone up or right. whatever. Right. Totally. Um, and amazingly, if you get them of people on the same vibe, they'll they'll act right. 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 You know, to get them on an island too. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. I guess maybe I'll get to the last couple of questions. Sure. On the subject of what you said about um, avoiding being preachy, which in politics a lot, of, maybe that's what I've heard called moralizing. I was reading this book on shame by Brene Brown and talking about how shame is actually not that, not as a, the most effective, you know, way of you know, influencing people's behavior. Because how political do you think the philosophical content of these festivals should get? Because that's an interesting question. Because on the one hand, I see how that can, that being overtly political could turn some people off yeah. that would otherwise be able to be transformed. Yeah, well, not, not, turn, not just turn people off. I mean, that's what happened in the 60s. Right. Totally. I mean, that ended up with people riding the streets and cops breaking heads and that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, know? and Contel Pro and shit. Um, yeah. And that's, it's an interesting thing because the reason that this scene this festival scene has been able to thrive is because they're not political right totally you know if we started like taking up like um you know doing protests to fight whatever i mean they would deal with us with any, the way they deal with any other protest right you know totally. pepper spray and right. dogs and whatever right totally. so you know it's an interesting thing so currently what we're doing with with the um compass you know i mean essentially we just want to reach people right you know because it's all about this personal transformation right. you know we're also just individuals just doing the best we can to help you know not here to but i'd like to see for example like with the convergence you know the different speakers and authors we have we we created some really nice videos from those right. so they're going to be like one-on-one interviews with these people 
And some of them have some ideas that are pretty crucial, you know, some ideas that can really, new ideas that can, you know, open some people's minds. And the whole idea behind it is to be able to record it, document it, and then get it out into social media and and onto YouTube and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be talking about change. We are going to be talking about political stuff. But we're it's different in the sense that, like, we, we want the effect to be on a personal level as opposed to, like, this group right. change. Because ultimately, we're just part of this collective, right. you know. And so, like, I used to be a big-time activist, right. you know. Like, I used to be, like, penciling banks and right. big signs from the highway, you know. Totally. Especially during, like, the Iraq wars with George right. Bush and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, the entire time I was doing that, I don't think I changed a single mind. Right. You know, I was just <laughs> out there yelling, just pissed about right. what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then what I found was that, like, being able to actually offer, like, a transformational experience for somebody. Right. And then maybe offering, you know, bringing some, like, really interesting thinkers to, you know, be able to share ideas with people. Right. Those are the kinds of things that actually really affect people. Right. New ideas, you know. Totally. And so some something like these ideas that we're trying to put out there like my my hope and dream for this is that these videos go out right. wide totally. you know and there's some kid out there somewhere you know like right. in his bedroom like looking at this video and going like whoa right that idea totally. it's just totally changing my paradigm right, now. right. Exactly. you know and yeah. little by little man if we can do that we just like collectively we just keep doing that the collective will shift with it right you know and we just play our little part right to do it yeah, but exactly. you know it is also something we're like passionate about right in order to do this we have to do it right you know yeah totally and so it's big production lots of work and all that stuff and and ultimately you know i don't know how far the reach goes i don't know who's really being affected by all of it mm-hmm. i just trust in it right. that out you know we just keep doing it we keep putting it out there and there are people having life-changing experiences because yeah. of it totally yeah. yeah and to go out there and approach the world in the way that they learned modeling you know like a, they saw people that they liked and you know wanted to be more like that totally makes sense totally totally yeah be an example right exactly yeah i love that so i guess maybe to close me up the last question is uh, i'd love to hear one paragraph synopsis of utopia as you see it utopia what do you think are the most important aspects of a society that was worth like trying to get to oh man utopia you know what utopia is a place where people are kind and conscious right and conscious when i say conscious i mean they have an understanding of things like one one of the things that the buddha said was the a cause of suffering is ignorance not understanding you know and if you don't understand you continue to not understand they continue to suffer you know and so like a society that was utopian would have a would have a population that was educated that like was open to discussion and really respectfully working things out and i mean if we want to talk about it in a i guess political sense i mean it's it's really a matter of like resources too you know you you can't have people who are desperately poor and starving if you want a utopian society (laughs) Like people have got to be fed. Right. They've got to be able to be healthy and safe. 
Yeah. And I don't know how we get about doing that because there's so many, you know, factors involved. And honestly, what it really boils down to is the cause of all the problems in the world right now is greed. It's really some people hoarding all the resources from other people. Right. And so it's, it's really like a moral thing. Right. And I don't know how you convince anyone else to get rid of their money or help other people or anything right. like that. I mean, like I said, it's kind of got to be this whole continual change of society. Right. The other thing that I would say was utopian society would have, would be in support of art and music. You know, where like, it was oh, yeah. normal for the family on a weekend to be like, you know what, let's go to the festival. Right. And they would all get in their outfits and head out and dance and meet people and, you know, and then the kids could go learn how to paint from this painter, you know, right. and like be inspired to play music by this mu musician. But like I, like I was saying before too, you can't really get to that point until you have a society that has their basic needs met. Because until then, you're just thinking about getting your basic needs met. And, but I've seen it though, when you get to the point where people have community, people have um, enough to eat, people have security, what happens is art and music spontaneously start showing up. Totally. You know? And you can always judge the health of a community by what their art and music looks like. Because it's, it's reinforcing the values of the society too, what's right. happening in the music and the yeah, art. Totally. And, and at the same time, it's reflecting the values. And so, like, yeah, a, a utopian society would be a society where people were safe, healthy, practicing art, practicing music. And <laughs> the rest, they can work out themselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. That's definitely uh, a vision I share too. Yeah. So, well, we're in this together. Right. So <laughs> keep yeah. working at it. Exactly. And uh, yeah, thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, been an amazing conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, we'll have more on site. Yeah. LIV. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, but I'm glad that uh, the world gets to hear this one. So, uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you've been uh, enlightened as to what this whole transformational project is that uh, we're trying to do in the world and wh why we're trying to get more consciousness to the people. And so, I guess with that, I'll wrap it up. So, thanks for watching. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
vivid depictions, theatrically literal for cancers, withering fruits and beans, fruitful dreams, dancing and entering from a lost seraphim to a lost cherubim. The true scene is as antic as Syrians and the goddesses variants. One to two courses for nourishment, no more for symbiotically curing you. Whole foods are so beauty, fostering and nurturing foods. Raw superfoods with noble growth, total wholeness is a global goal. With moves, beauty is soul and heart, mind and psyche. Soothing and dutiful, non-spinal chakras are 12 for Anunnaki's. Yet they are endless like Nadis and Marmas. Enter the 36 chambers and bond those, but remember, your body is cosmic and multidimensional. It's a glowing arc like Noah's Zeus, but the earth and nature is goddess. We are not cursed with hatred, patriarchal, like reversed ancient Torahs and Bibles born from Sumer. A new testament's apostles like Paul that are misogynists, heartless and clueless imposters. RBG like test their logic and leave read the rest of the Paul death in their auras and blueprints. We breathe weed in my partial tobacco, plant teachers, students. Be healthy like that skit speech and music from Prodigy or Let's Get Free. I grew up on Tupac, Mark, Deep and Nas. That's why you see me in the street, guys, but I seek solace. And it greets me when I eat wisely. That doesn't mean no sweets, though. Just vegan and wild. See, to me, it's no processed treats and garbage like GMO toxins. A lot of spring water, earth water, earth tea and coffee. They're all non-profit like tea Tibet's orphanages. Free Tibet from China, the first Earthship Academy will be on Salt Spring Island. Maharishi prediction, ask Rishi G7 on Sudraksha. Or Imam Ali Dahesh, what we breathe is destiny. Reborn from scripts, timeless speech is the weaponry. Anti-colonial, anti-systemic, neuro-linguistic. We lead peace psychokinetically, passive and active chi recipes. Like Tai Chi and Muay Thai hybrids. Effortlessly guiding limbs in synchronicity. Why be blinded from violence? Open your mind's eye instead and rise up instantly. Why cry and dread and horror? Be eye tile like dread and cross the women and empress men and don't be headless horsemen. Revolution doesn't fail to come when the system is toxic. Get this in progress. Rebel troops and hells in the slums are destined to evolve. Yes, it was all hell from the one duality of Trinity. The four directions of Dharma's medicines, shamanic empowering infinity and levels of sentience. Respect men and women, yes, but not cowards. The belittle every gender and gender is beyond this like Taoist. That's raw therapy and matriarchal power. That's the goddess verily like one in and Mahakali. Aliens, quantum and Raquel Flora, Maoris, Romanis, Moorish and Islamic oracles, balls in the Gobi, Sadis, Nagas and Sadis, Sadis and Swamis, non-binary watchers and wild kin, totemic and shamanic, no system of society can hold us prisoners with soulless religions and sadistic liars controlling our visions and conscience, our senses and offspring, we are limitless hybrids, far beyond perceptions and guises, we are limitless hybrids, far beyond perceptions and guises. Limited, but destinies are.